This week on the Throncast, bounty hunters are out for Card and Company, Sabioth gets resentful, Han and Lando get involved with a mysterious commander, and Luke heads off to Joe Mark. Don't go there, Luke! It's a trap! It's time for the Throncast. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. The Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. I underestimated the commander. Previous attacks were clumsy. But this one was swift. Precise. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Hello and welcome to the Throncast. I'm your host Nancy, and today we're discussing chapters 5 through 8 of Dark Force Rising. Joining me on this legendary journey are my co-hosts Brian. Hello. Matthew. Hello. And Amanda. Hi, I don't really sound like that, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) We are without Tyler this week. He is having trouble with his uh, light freighter. Uh, So hopefully he'll get that repaired at the Sluis Van shipyards and join us again next week. See how thematic that was, guys? Aren't you proud of me? No one's proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have expected any different. (laughs) Well, since we spoke last time grand admiral thrawn has made his third appearance on star wars rebels uh this episode wasn't my favorite but thrawn had some really good moments uh mainly we learned that he has some sort of relationship with commander sato uh either they were former adversaries or I, I like the idea that maybe Sato was part of the Republic fleet or the Imperial fleet uh, before joining the Rebellion. Um, I am looking forward to seeing them become adversaries, and I would like for him to show up in Thrawn. I think that would be kind of neat. Uh, and also, I think uh, if Constantine isn't going to bite it after this episode, uh, <laughs> he's, he is certainly close. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. <laughs> oh, whatever. He totally screwed up. He was doing so well there for for what? Like he was confident. He was in charge. He was taking control of the situation, and then everything went to hell. Maybe maybe Thrawn won't kill him for that reason, but uh, I think he's being watched closely. <laughs> also- maybe he'll try and defect, and then uh, his shuttle will blow up oh too soon too soon (laughs) i liked her uh but yeah so uh good appearance by thrawn his uh star destroyer jumping into the system at the end was really really cool and uh i like that they're doing a slow burn with the character uh i continue to like rebels thrawn more than legends thrawn which is kind of interesting for me why is that i don't know i think it's the voice actor um i, I was gonna say is it the organ music <laughs> yeah I, totally that. I also think that i find 
cartoon Theron kind of hot for some reason. <laughs> and I never had those sorts of feelings towards Legends Theron. Yeah, it's it's very I, I don't I can't explain it. <laughs> but uh speaking of his Star Destroyer, there was a really interesting tweet from Stephen Melching, who is one of the Rebels writers, who uh point uh tweeted a picture of the um uh, from the episode guide, one of the gallery pictures was of Thrawn's Star Destroyer, which has got really interesting design on it. Like, so ridiculous. It is really ridiculous, but very Thrawn. <laughs> and, um, it's a, it seems a little audacious for Thrawn. <laughs> it seems like some sort of weird art that he would co opt as his own. I don't know. I, like I said on Twitter, it, it, I, it, Get Thrawn is like a 14-year-old boy <laughs> with his first car. It's Maybe just he like, is. It's like the guy with the Lord of the Rings painted on the side of his van. I don't I don't know. We don't know how old he is. That could be true. <laughs> but um so he uh tweeted that picture and then he referred to the Star Destroyer as the Chimera, which got some of us on Twitter really excited because was it actually the chimera or was it just him saying that because that's what they called Star Thrawn Star Destroyer in Legends? Um, and he later said that that's what they call it in the script. So uh, even if it's not said out loud or confirmed, I'm going to believe that is the chimera, which is really freaking awesome. Because <laughs> the chimera is my favorite Star Destroyer in Star Wars, so that it's now canon as well is very, very cool. And I hope that is the Star Destroyer he's using in Thrawn because that would be really cool. So yeah, yay, Thrawn and Chimera. Otherwise, though, that was that was just an episode <laughs> of Rebels. It was an episode of Rebels. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, those kids are super annoying and I don't need to ever see them again. But uh, but it had cool space battle stuff. It I, was fine. I'm you know, glad it's... they lampshaded the ship full of Ezra's yes. because at least yeah. they're in on it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did appreciate the tuckerizations of the uh, the characters. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the three uh, teenage characters were uh, named after Matt Martin, uh, Andy Gutierrez, and I believe his, the other name is John Harper, who's uh, the cameraman for Rebels Recon. So that was kind of cool that they got that. So one of the characters were a little bit better. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. I I take where <laughs> what I could get. So, um, moving on from the canon world to the Legends world, um, we are going back to Chapter 5 of Dark Force Rising. When we last met our heroes, they were all kind of separating again, splitting up the party. Uh, and as Chapter 5 begins, Card and uh, the rest of his gang are have arrived at their new hangout, uh... They've left Merker, escaped very quickly, thanks to Mara's... Hangout. Yes, their hangout. <laughs> Hideout. They're down, at, they're down at the soda shop with Pop. <laughs> the juice bar. Practically, at least security-wise, that's what it feels like. Yeah. So, um, 
one of the things from this chapter that always sticks out to me, and uh, you probably will know what it is because it's the title of the episode, uh, <laughs> Mara says, I'm not referring to the ship drop, Mara told him, reaching beneath her loose-flowing tunic sleeve to readjust the tiny blaster sheathed to her left forearm. Because Look, Timothy Zahn... The loose-flowing tunic is clearly just... Over <laughs> over the cat, the cat suit, it's a yeah. cardigan. And, and when and when, well, it's like that poncho thing Luke wears in <laughs> A New Hope for like two seconds. That's not a tunic. That's a poncho. Well, it's like that. I said. And then obviously, when she goes into battle, she whips off the tunic, and no. she's all you know, sleek and oversexualized. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like to point out for posterity that uh, Mar Jade is wearing. A shirt with sleeves and not a cat suit. You would like to point out for posterity that yeah. you cannot see her posterior. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's not how you there. say that, but whatever. <laughs> no. So, um, Card, because he is a very uh, sly dog, uh, asks Mara about her ability to use the Force. I love it. And this. Mara is amazing. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to bring up this thing that's really kind of uncomfortable for you. And instead of answering a question, instead of batting an eyelash, she comes right back with the thing that's going to be most uncomfortable for him. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, you want my cards on the table? Show yours first. Yeah. I love the way that she uh, describes it as card apparently was going to go for polite exploitation. <laughs> I love that so much. Yes. It's just, it says so much about card's character. It's just like. It's like, here's a tool. He's he's going to, you know, use it yeah. weird and unexpected as it may be. <laughs> yeah. And um, she says to him, I can't turn it on and off like a sensor pack. Not anymore. He says, is it a remnant of some previous Jedi training? And then she launches into, tell me about the ships. <laughs> Just complete 180. Tell me about the ships. <laughs> and he's like, what? And she's like, you told me you tell me later. Now is later. Later. So, later. Yep. I love too that this is we get this glimpse when she talks about um later it's here and later in chapter five also about how she can't turn it on and off anymore. Yeah. And later when she tries to use the force and she's like, Well, my ability to do that disappeared when the Emperor died. Yeah. I I love that it's it's like it's like he taught her how to play the electric guitar but not how to turn on the amplifier <laughs> so anybody could hear it. <laughs> Well, and it makes sense so because he didn't sit there and play the play the force music all day, but she doesn't know how to connect to the force. She can use it. She can't just she just can't connect to it on her own. Yeah, yet. it feels like, you know, he he trained her. He didn't want her becoming more powerful than him. obviously. Yes. And so he was he like he trained her to use the force, but not how to access it. Like he was pouring his force into her. Yeah. As gross as that sounds. <laughs> um, but, but she wasn't, she, you know, it was like secondhand force. It was like, it was like a, a bird being fed regurgitated worm. Um, I'm, I'm just going to make this as gross as I can, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Palpatine's pre-masticated force sense is kind of like a really amazing visual there. I'm, I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm 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 not. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> but um but, yeah, uh, moving yeah, on. It's, it's, it's an interesting idea. You know, she's obviously got the talent, but you know, she never learned how to you know access it for herself, and she's just now starting to learn how to do that. Yeah. So um, card uh, you know, being the the upstanding gentleman that he is agrees to tell her about um, the ships. So this is when we learn about the Katana fleet, which is also known as the dark force, also known as the title of the book. So also known as Kabat's penis. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matthew. Matthew. Also known as one of the worst ideas anybody <sighs> ever had. Anyway, <laughs> So that's where the title of the book comes from, in case you didn't figure it out by now. So Carr tells the story of the Katana fleet, which was approximately 200 dreadnoughts, which are big ships uh, that were all slaved together. Um, And they had retrofitted these dreadnoughts so that they could be crewed with 2,000 people as opposed to 16,000, which is a lot of people. And I don't think and when you're having that... to pay to clone all of those people and then you're having to pay to feed them. That, yeah, that saves a lot well, of money. Well, and back in uh, back in this time frame, they weren't even using clones yet. This would have just been military because and then because, you know, this was before Clone Wars and also before the prequels when we knew about that. So, so. <laughs> not only did they have to pay to feed them and they actually had to pay them. Yes. <laughs> at least clones didn't need to draw a check. And, and that's attention. why they used the clone army afterwards. <laughs> So I was never 100% sure on this. And I know that, like, the size and complement of Star Destroyers and Legend is a hotly contested <laughs> thing. But, like, do we know, like, what, like, size and armament dreadnoughts are, like, compared with the Star Destroyer? I believe they're they're comparable. I, okay. I'm not the person to ask dreadnought and to ship sizes to. Um, Admiral Nick on Twitter is probably the best person to answer that question. <laughs> Uh, Jay Admiral can, Nick, if you're listening, <laughs> Jay can probably also answer that question. I was about to say, if it's an imperial ship, Jay would know. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, but I believe they're 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 comparable. I think a star destroyer is bigger, but dreadnoughts gotcha. dreadnoughts still pack a punch. Yeah. So, um, basically, the crewers on the ships contracted a hive virus, which is a very sci-fi type of thing. Um, and slaved the dreadnoughts together before jumping to hyperspace and going crazy and dying. Um, Card had, uh, so as he's telling the story, uh, Mara's like, all right, so when did you find him? (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, you're telling me the story for a reason. There's, you know, so what's, what's this, what's going on? (laughs) um i just i like how she knows exactly what what the story is so um she um so he says 15 years ago he was on a smuggling mission that went bad they kind of jumped blindly and uh he uh he's he didn't realize what the ships were at first uh, but then later on when he checked the sensor readings and realized there were a lot more dreadnoughts there then he could see he he realized that it what it what it must be. Um, he erased the records so no one would would be able to find out where they were. Memorized the coordinates and he's just been sitting on this for fifteen years, which 
let's go back in time. Uh, 15 years before this would have been right smack dab in the dark times, period. Um, so I was thinking today, why did Card not give that information up? And I'm like, well, it would make sense why he wouldn't give it to the Empire, because if he's a smuggler, he doesn't want the Empire to get any more powerful than they already are. And there's not really a rebellion for him to give the ships to at the time. But then he's still sitting on this information all throughout the rebellion after Jabba dies and he takes over the position. So it's like, what what is your long game, Talon Card? And I don't think anyone can actually answer that question. Probably even Card himself. Well, and two, I mean... You know, it's so many ships and he has to like play this, you know, very carefully so that, you know, somebody doesn't come in and take the ships away from him. You know, right. It's like he has to be able to, you know, sell the ships, but at the same time protect, you know, his property. And I mean, it's just a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Um, He's he's got an ace in the hole and he's not going to play it until (laughs) it's time to play it. Yeah. Or until until he's forced to. Uh, And that's exactly what Mara says. Right. And he's like, but we we may choose to. We never are going to have to. Yeah. Because that's how he rolls. He's just that cool. Mm hmm. And I'd just like to say, I really like the idea of, like, you know, these ships getting lost because they were all slaved together. And I like the idea of slave ships. And I let's take a moment to appreciate Timothy Zahn for, you know, setting up the idea of slaving ships in Heir to the Empire and just using it there as a little bit of character development for Han. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then actually paying it off with a fairly major plot point here like it's it's all very well done yeah that was the the one of the things like uh there there was a few moments in heir to the empire when i was reading again i'm like oh my god i totally never caught that little breadcrumb (laughs) and this this is one of them too where uh why why did they talk about slaving the ships together in nicklon oh that's why so um mara wants card to turn the ships over to Thrawn um, not because she has any love for the Empire because she doesn't want them to find them and kill them which is you know a possibility right now um, and, reasonable motivation yeah right and um, Thrawn reminds her you know the Empire will be swifter to exact vengeance if we go against them but the New Republic looks more likely to win in the end Giving Thrawn the Katana fleet would only delay the inevitable. The most prudent course right now is to stay neutral, uh, which is what he wanted to do with Luke Skywalker, but uh, the his hand was forced. So hopefully he has a better luck of things this time around. That seems likely. Mm, considering who's writing the book, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a middle book, guys. Like <laughs> this is where things get really good and hopeful, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, cute. <laughs> so uh, Card sends Mara off on an errand, and Mara is like, "All right, cool. I don't want to be here anyway." Um, <laughs> while she is walking around town she realizes that she's being tracked by someone. So she, in turn, tracks them, only to find out that someone else is tracking her as well. So she gets cornered um, by a bounty hunter. 
Um, and he is, you know, informs her that her and Card and the rest of his crew have s- sizable bounties on their heads now. Um, she is trying to figure out ways to get out of there um, and f- ends up thinking, well, if the voices are back, if the dreams are back, then maybe the power is back. So she uses the force to basically move a pipe so it falls on the ground and makes a noise distracting the guy long enough for her to get out her holdout blaster and shoot him, which is very Mara and very awesome. Um, then she returns to Card. Uh, of course, Card is really pleased to find out he's worth $20,000 or 20,000 credits. um they get the hell out of their hideout um and uh i i i like the little description of her trying to get up the you know get up the power to use the force she said those yeah it's a nice moment yeah she said those skills had vanished at the moment of his death reappearing only briefly and erratically in the years since then um and oh I, I misspoke earlier. The dreams hadn't started yet. At the, at the end of the chapter is, and later that night, as a wild car drove through the mottled sky of hyperspace, the dream started again. And this is when I want to just hug Mara and be like, it'll be okay. I'm sorry. I hated you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. That's we pretty much exactly what Luke Skywalker wants to say to her at this it point. Is, but I mean, he was always like that, so... That works. I don't know why you dislike me so much. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's that's like that's yeah, Luke doesn't know. So um we move on to chapter six, where uh Thrawn and Peleon are on the Chimera. Um, and they are leading a hit and fade on the rebel convoy. Uh Thrawn can tell that Akbar is no longer in charge um just by the way the fleet's moving. And just by the fact that they've assigned A wings for convoy duty, which is a nice yeah. little like breakdown of the differences between A wings and X wings. Yeah, I like that because it it allows them to go into the differences and for all the starfighter groupies, but it's not like super boring and irrelevant to the rest of the plot. Uh, and it <laughs> is the kind of thing, unlike how many minutes it takes, how many people to go from one ship to the other, and this is the kind of thing that Thrawn absolutely would know. Yes. Right. Like this is this is good enemy intel for him to have. Yeah, good uh, opposition research. Yeah, of course he studied his opponents and Akbar being the the biggest of his opponents, um, so he'd know like what tactics he would use. So um, he also seems to know a lot about Felia and like what Felia would do, which leads me to wonder how does he know about this? How does he know all the goings on? And uh, you know um, that subplot is still there, everyone. But they. They tell us. Yeah, this is I our really... first mention mm-hmm. of Delta Source. Right. Well, well, but I I really appreciate that they like they just like he just ends the the speculation about whether fail fate I can't say his name whether he's a <laughs> an imperial agent or not jerk face like they they don't even <laughs> jerk face they don't even like make that like a a, a lingering question he, right he just says you know what he says is we've got it here as beautifully as we as if we were pulling his strings directly you know pretty directly implying that they're not and that they're just manipulating him and that he's not actually working for them. Right. Which like, 
I appreciate that. Like other other books, other authors would have like dragged out the is he an imperial agent or not thing, and mm-hmm. and it just would have got obnoxious. And it's nice that they just like you know they nip that in the bud, and so that we can move on to more interesting things. Yeah, they 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 answer that question to create more. So I I, yeah. I, I like that. So um. Yeah, there, there's a lot of teasing in the first book, especially really early in the first book, like right around the time we first meet the Nogri. Yeah. That Coruscant isn't safe, that there is an agent in the palace, that there is someone giving the Empire intelligence. Yeah. And here Thrawn comes out and names it. Mm-hmm. It is Delta Source. This is a thing that we were suspicious of the entire first book. And now we have a name for it and we don't know how it works and we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's a person or droid or we don't know, but we know they in fact do have a source in the palace. That was not paranoia. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Thrawn and Paleon, uh, are, you know, we're talking about what, what's going to happen next. Uh, Thrawn figures out that Han will be going to the Polani system Based on Which is not true. I, Thrawn is actually wrong. Yes, and it's uh, amazing. And they will discuss <laughs> this later on. Actually, it was so, it was really funny when I was reading this. I I got to that part and I was like, oh well, Nukov must be part of the Polani system because I'm so used to Thrawn being right. Because he's never wrong. <laughs> yeah, because he's never wrong. So that then later on when they're like, oh. Like he wasn't there. I was like, oh, wait, no, it was two different places. I need to go back and reread that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he Han Solo never does what he's supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. True facts. Um, yeah, so ba- the, basically they've they've been dropping breadcrumbs um and and assume that's where he they'll go next. But he um he goes to um he ends up going to Nukov instead. But um, so the Death's Head is heading to the Polani system while Thrawn himself is heading to Honegger to scare the Nogri into doing their damn jobs. <laughs> um, they discuss Sabioth and whether or not he's going to stab them in the back. Um, Thrawn oh. believes that Sabioth is unable to use his power for any length of time, so they don't need to worry about him. Seems reasonable. Yeah, right? There's a wonderful line in here. Yes. A wonderful. I wrote it down with like pen on a notebook. Um, Paleon, when Thrawn is talking about how they can continue to manipulate and massage Savioth, he says, what happens when we've bent the rules so far that they come around and stab us in the back? Mm-hmm. Um, that is basically that character in one line. Like yeah. that, that's Paleon's epitaph. Like we're going to inscribe that on his tombstone someday. Throughout his journey through Legends, he might as well have that, like, tattooed on his forehead. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, and uh, keep that line in mind for later. I'm just just saying. Right. So um, then we move to more Sabioth point of view. um, And it's really just him musing crazily. uh, And he can't wait for Luke to get there and twist him to his will so they can defeat Thrawn or the Empire or whatever. It's not really clear what he wants because he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, literary device wise, I understand getting in his head, but I do not enjoy it. It feels icky. 
keeps these segments mercifully brief, though. Which yes. Is nice. <laughs> I, like I, he knows, like just the the you know tolerance level of his readers for for this kind of you know yeah. bag of catsness. <laughs> I can appreciate him uh, for the short periods of time that we have with him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can appreciate it, but I don't have to like it. Right, a little, exactly. a little kaboth goes a long way. <laughs> oh, that's good. So uh, we move on to Leia and Chewie, and um, as we talked about before we started recording, Leia has a lot in this book, at least in the early parts. Um, there, you know, in in uh, Heir to the Empire, there's some parts where um, we we kind of forget that she's in the book. Before they go back to her on Kashyyyk, uh, this book makes up for that in that uh, there's a lot of time spent on Honiger. So Leia fans, you're in for a treat. Uh, so Leia and Chewie arrive at Endor, um, and there's a really neat bit where they travel through the spot where the Death Star blew up, and Leia passes out from the dark side energy there. And now this is Leia, who isn't as strong in the Force as Luke or Mara, even. So, I I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like if they were here to sense that. So, um, I, I... Well, but, too, I think we've, you know, sort of intuited in the past that, you know, and it's been backed up by canon stuff now, that Leia's, you know, talent in the Force is sensing, like, people and emotions and, right. and that kind of thing, whereas Luke and Mara's might be a more martial uh, talent. Yeah. Um, so it might not have affected them as much. That's true. I like this this sequence, though. I mean, just because it's like it's interesting and creepy, but like you know what it suggests about like you know dark side force ghosts, and I know that mm-hmm. that's another hotly contested topic. <laughs> but like you know, we we see this, we see you know evidence throughout this book and the next that the emperor's presence is still hanging around a little bit maybe um and we can talk about that when we get to it but um i don't know it's it's just interesting yeah so um uh leia i like leia's reflection on the new republic uh beginning at endor um and how they've been mopping up since then um especially because of the new canon timeline they, you know, it's basically Endor and then Jakku and then done. Uh, whereas <laughs> now it's like five years later and they're still fighting. So, um, face is big. Yes. The Empire doesn't want to give any of it up. Right. So they, um, so they're, uh, they got there about a day early and now they're waiting for Kabarak Cab- to show up. Oh and Chewie <laughs> is like, or it's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> Chewie is very suspicious <laughs> so uh, we switch to Han and Lando who are approaching the walled city of Illic on New Cov um, this planet has poisonous plants which is really kind of neat um, I like that Han and Lando are bickering like an old married couple and Han is I being a backseat flyer I love Han's backseat it's, driving yeah he cannot handle anybody else's driving <laughs> I know, and it's not even his ship. It's Lando's ship. <laughs> and Han is still like, um, um, you're not doing, um, um, you need to ease up on the throttle. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm really surprised oh. that Lando didn't just, like, banish him from the cockpit. 
Go away, Philip. <laughs> no, it is, it is true bromance. Yep. So um, I, I, I also love this part because Han basically cons Lando into helping them by, like, <laughs> mentioning that he has this, like, excess of... I, I can't even remember what it is right now, but he's it's like... Yeah. metals, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, Luke told you? Might have mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> he's a Jedi. I'm going to strangle him anyway. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Uh, oh, and we get a Star Wars word here. A star- we get a new Star Wars word. What's that? Um, not only do we write on flimsy plast and look out transparent steel, but when your comm link goes off, it is indeed a call beep. Ah, yes. Call beep. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, no, that was a good beep. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> beep. <laughs> so, um... As they're in the city, walking around... Also, whoa, Lando is pretty racist here. He's like, oh, how can you tell that that's this one specific Botham? They all look alike. (laughs) They all look alike. Well, I mean, I guess they do. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so they see um, one of Felia's aides, who is Tav Brillia, which, yeah, I don't want to... Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to just call call him Tav. Um, So, um... Han is like, we need to trail him to see what he's doing in the city, uh, because if Phalia's got dealings with the Empire, we need to be able to take that back to the Council. So he goes off and trails Tav on his own, while Leia goes to rendezvous with Luke in this uh, this um, bar. Luke, who is a cinnamon roll and is sitting at a bar drinking hot chocolate yes <laughs> with but, mint but first so Ooh, so delightful so um at you know lando goes off and then han gets tailed by a, a woman um who asks him to come with her and uh we later find out this woman's name is irene irene irene's irene's i don't know how to say her name um her name is irene with I, a silent z irene's no irene's <laughs> Irene's. <laughs> so um, Han is like, uh, okay, I guess I'll come with you because I don't have much of a choice. <laughs> so um, th- then we switch to Luke, who is at the uh, cantina that reminds him of the Mos Eisley cantina because we have to reference the original trilogy at all times. Because Luke well, has because been it's two just bars like the Mos Eisley cantina, <laughs> except not at all. Yeah, right. It's it's way more upmarket, and the clientele is different. The music's kind of the same. The, <laughs> they play the same type of music. They specify that in the book, guys. And what kind what of music? Of, is we're that? not going to say what type of music. <laughs> that is. It's in my show notes. Jizz. <laughs> Uh, I like that he didn't specify what type of music it was because Timothy Zahn is smart. <laughs> well, and they hadn't. They had it. Yeah, I know. Made that word up yet? Had they? No, they hadn't. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't. I don't. Sadly, he like... missed his opportunity to name it. Yeah. Something other than jizz. Yeah. I know, right? Fafash or something, and we would have been fine. Hold it on. Probably would have been unpronounceable. I now have to look up. It would have been all consonants. Okay, yeah. Tales. Okay, are you doing a web search for that word? Because no, I'm looking. Don't. I'm looking. <laughs> no, I'm looking okay. up when be- kids. Ta- be sure you have safe search turned on. <laughs> I'm looking up when Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina was published, which was no, in it ni- was after. It was after this. Is n- sure. yeah, 1995. 
So, so that was the first uh, appearance of that. <laughs> that was the first appearance of Jizz in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that was the advent of Jizz in a galaxy far, far away. At least canon. I'm sure it showed up in fanfic before. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go look for that either. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> After my comments about Krennic earlier on Twitter. <laughs> okay. So... Um, Luke is just sitting there drinking his hot chocolate, minding his own business when a fight breaks out between a Rodian and a Barabel. Um, and the Barabel asks Luke to offer judgment. Okay, now I didn't look this up, even though I should have, but Barabel, that's the same species as Saba, right? Yes. yes. Okay. I'm trying nope. to, uh, Saba Sebatine who was a Jedi in the New Jedi Order and later books and um, had a very unfortunate character arc thanks to Troy Denning. They are terrifying reptiles, according to this picture. Yes. She was basically, <laughs> uh, fandom referred to her as Troy Denning's pet lizard, which is kind of racist, but also accurate. <laughs> no more uh, racist than all Bothans look alike. Right. Um, mainly, and, and she had some great moments, like as a terrifying lizard. Let's not forget, Leia, hand me your lightsaber. And so Leia hands her her lightsaber and she hits Leia in the head with it. <laughs> I mean, I I don't have anything necessarily against Saba. It was that Troy used her uh, in really stupid ways, especially in Fate of the Jedi when they basically overthrew the government. Oh, and also she ended up giving Mara's eulogy. Spoilers, Mara dies later on. Um, <laughs> even though, um, it, and was like, oh yeah, Saba, you were her best friend. You do her eulogy. And it's like, uh, no, her best friend was freaking Mirax Tarek. Um, also, you know, Card was there and her husband. Yeah, there, there were like two dozen people at the funeral who would have been a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I'm not there's bitter. A, there's a picture on the Wikipedia page for Barabels of a Barabel lifting two people into the air by their throats, <laughs> and the caption says, Barabels were physically powerful. I'm so disappointed the caption is wasn't, uh, do you even lift, bro? <laughs> oh, God. But okay, so Barabel, terrifying lizard people. Yeah, Barabel, terrifying lizard people, and Greedo. <laughs> right. <laughs> no contest. So the Barabel asks Luke to offer judgment because he's a Jedi. Um, and apparently Jedi in the Old Republic were known as giving uh, advice and mediating disputes. Um, and uh, so Luke is like, um, okay. <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of do get that sense from the Clone Wars. like Yes. You know, they sort of mention a couple of times, you know, like the good old days, like uh, Satine brings it up specifically that mm -hmm. like, you know, back in the day, like it wasn't all like fighty, fighty, pew, pew, vroom, vroom with the lightsabers like they were, you know, they were actually peacekeepers. Right. And so uh, so th this is a nice little scene. I like this. It's a nice bit of like development for Luke, but it's also sort of a nice look at, you know, what a galaxy, you know, populated by Jedi might look like. Right. Um, so, um, he basically comes to an agreement, um, using, um, exchange rates between Republic and Imperial credits, which are provided by, conveniently, in the room, Niles Ferrier. Ugh. <laughs> 
don't like Niles Ferrier, by the way. I don't no, know if I mentioned this I, last time. Here's what I do to make Niles better. I imagine he's Niles from Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Doesn't that make the whole thing better? Um, yes. I'm going to be picturing him like that. And the, and, uh, the best uh, part is that they movie. look nothing alike because right. Niles Ferrier like, is a beefy short, guy with a cigar. Yeah, and smoke cigars, and yeah. then there's Niles with Terry. But yeah. uh, but no, it works. So, yeah, I like it. Niall, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's in the room. Luke smells him, <laughs> which <laughs> I mean, I can I can buy that because he does like close his eyes and open himself up to the force. Right, Luke has Jedi yeah. senses. Yeah, Luke identifying somebody by smell is not ridiculous. <laughs> Lando identifying somebody by smell who's not even in the room is ridiculous. He's part dog. We discussed that apparently. <laughs> Here, boy! Woo, woo, woo! Here, boy! <laughs> uh, in his retirement years, Lando goes and works for the police force, sniffing people out. <laughs> apparently, because he has magic smelling powers. Um, I do kind of like how Luke is just like, "Will you step forward, please?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like what <laughs> and the hell he does. <laughs> like instead of slime, like slithering out the back, he's like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm here. What do you need?" Yeah, because he's kind of <laughs> lightsaber. So, um, uh. After he uh, figures out um, the, after they agree to his rulings, um, the, a siren goes off, and one of the patrons informs them that the Empire is raiding the city. Um, apparently, they do this often. They come and take some, you know, of their product, and then just leave. Um, Lando. Yeah, nobody seems too upset about it. Yeah, yeah. So Lando has arrived. Uh, he tells Luke that Han was tailing have uh and uh luke wonders if failure has been dealing with the empire um as they the sirens are going off they come up with a plan to help han get away so um because he's not answering or, or they said he said don't call me unless it's an emergency <laughs> and then and then he's not answering his comlink so uh, i told you never to call me here yeah. <laughs> okay. no. But but when we when we go back to visit with with Han and his captors, mm -hmm. I love it because this Bothan person with the weird name um, is yeah. is yeah is uh Brelia is is saying oh this isn't the real Han Solo right because all humans um, look like <laughs> yeah well and that this it becomes a thing in legends like i don't remember what book it's in but that it it happens that han gets caught in like some bad situations and nobody believes he is han solo like oh, he really? carries id <laughs> with him and even on coruscant like he gets arrested and they won't call his wife yeah They're like because you're not really han solo <laughs> right and like more than once he spends the night in jail because nobody believes he's han solo <laughs> right so um <laughs> So I appreciate that they set this up here that like, oh, and then Braley is saying, well, the only real way to know if it's him is by dissecting him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, they are, you know, Han is, you know, being Han, <laughs> you know, trying to talk his way out of things. It, yes, it does. Every time. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> also, also, yes, her name is Irina's. Yeah. And, and the other woman. but stupid. <laughs> yeah. Also, the other woman's name is Senna or Cena, 
Uh, I'll say Cena because I the other only other woman I know with a similar name is Cela Ward, so I'll call her Cena. Um, so uh, Luke shows up, uh, effectively ending the discussion of whether or not it's really Han Solo. Because <laughs> uh, if Luke Skywalker shows up, then uh, yeah, pretty sure it's Han. Uh, unless there's two imposters. Um, and one of them happens to have a lightsaber. Yes. So uh, Luke shows up. They they start to plan how to get out of there. Um, and Cena tells them that the commander has instructed to give them whatever aid they require. Oh, fancy <laughs> pants. <laughs> yes, they have to call him the commander because they have to increase the mystery for a few more chapters. It's yeah. Gallius Rex. No, but that would be cool. But it's not. It's someone much cooler who did not show up in the Rogue One pictures of all the senators, which bummed me out. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've already come to peace with that. It's not going to happen. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So um, they, they basically come up with this plan to... Uh, get out of there using the lady luck in Luke's X-Wing. And there's a line as they are climbing up all of these stairs that makes me laugh so hard because it's perfect Han Solo. Um, Luke might have the force and Irenez might be able to climb stairs without getting winded, but he would bet heavily that he could outdo them both in sh- both. He could outdo both of them in sheer chicanery. <laughs> <laughs> it's true well which, and lando says what's true, the next yeah. part of the plan and han says now we get cute yeah <laughs> right and, and like, like the the when plan Luke comes up with a plan it's like really optimistic but it's clever mm-hmm. when leia comes up with a plan it's like really pessimistic and has like 19 contingencies when han yes. comes up with a plan he says let's be cute yep exactly <laughs> he's gonna talk his way out of this um you can't know you can't trust those little freaks <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, he's not gonna he's tell not gonna that talk to his way out of this. He's gonna like move <laughs> ships back and forth in like some ridiculous dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they um come up, pull off this really great escape using the Lady Lux beck and call and Luke's X-wing. <laughs> he really is just like driving the Lady Lux back and he forth. He is, and it's. I mean, I like it, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's great. Also, um, so we, you know, we we know of the beck and call from the previous book. Uh, Luke found the beck and call in in on in the Dagobah cave, which led him to go find Lando in the first place. Um, so that that was another breadcrumb. Um, also calling forward, the beck and call uh, proves an integral plot point of um, Vision of the Future many books down in the timeline right so um it's just more appreciation of timothy zahn's ability to pull things in and set things up he does it so well so um luke (laughs) so uh after launching three dreadnoughts show up to save them from the empire um I like that Han basically asks Luke um, if he can pull off that trick with the TIE pilots' minds. And Luke is like, "Mm, I don't think it's a good idea for me to do that. And I want to hug him. (laughs) And like Han doesn't press the point. He's like, all right, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, because he's a good friend and he's understandable. Also, I like that Luke realizes it's not a good thing because it means he's not going to turn out to be his dad, which is important. Except when he, 
Except when he goes dark. Yeah, that doesn't happen. It totally happens. No. In a beautifully illustrated set of graphic novels. You're off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Look, those those graphic novels are terrible, but they are beautifully illustrated. No. He has awful clothes. He's got like (laughs) a weird cape and not a good one. It does have the best retcon in the history of anything. Which is, uh, the Sarlacc found me hard to digest. <laughs> yes, that's why I really hate it. Not because Luke turns to the dark side, but because it brought back Bo- Boba Fett on us for how many more years? Yes. All of like, them. The stupidest, most lazy one-line retcon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I know we're off topic, but uh, it's Never anyway. off topic. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's Star Wars. Yeah. So, um, Irenus tells Han that the commander was hoping he'd accompany them to their base. Um, and then there's an exchange. But when I spoke to him, the commander seemed extremely interested in meeting with Captain Solo. Meeting again with Captain Solo. Again? Because <laughs> he's like, I don't, who are you talking about? <laughs> so, um, this, they. This also seems like something that, like, no, spoilers, it doesn't really pay off for anything like, no it doesn't it's trying to keep us guessing who could the commander be yeah I, nobody I, we've ever heard of before i know so. i ha- i have thoughts about the the next few chapters um and a lot of this book in general uh because like like with the katana fleet like it's it's a cool story and a really neat idea but part of me feels like we should have known what it was and we don't and the same thing with the with the commander what ends up you know turning his out his identity out to be and it's like but that's the problem when you're writing like only the second book in the eu (laughs) yeah well and like too and it's like okay like last chapter card is talking about a fleet of dreadnoughts and oh my god here come three dreadnoughts that couldn't possibly be connected could it we haven't figured (laughs) that out yet Matthew spoilers. <laughs> no, just... Look, that's not spoilers. That's like <laughs> basic observation skills. <laughs> okay, so um, they they end up docking on the dreadnought um to go fly to the commander uh because they don't want to give them the coordinates, so uh they're they're stuck on the dreadnought, and this is very uh trustworthy of Han. <laughs> uh i'm surprised he goes on someone else's ship, but um I guess you know he figures better than staying with the empire um so they jump to hyperspace luke um watches them go and like he's like and then he's alone except for the tie fighters chasing me (laughs) i better go (laughs) so r2 r2 chopped liver yeah well yeah so this is when we're we're really happy that luke skywalker chose to have hot chocolate with mint in it Instead of, you know, booze at the bar like everybody else was having. he's got the force. (laughs) I'm so drunk, I can't (laughs) find... Yo, you're drunk. Well, I mean, R2 could handle it even if he was. But but. he's got the force, so I would imagine it's kind of like Captain America where he can't get drunk. I'd imagine Luke, you know, if he could get drunk, but then he can also get sober really quickly. That's my... going to say, maybe it's like Captain America and more like Synth Hall and stuff. I think I have... (laughs) I don't, maybe, I I wrote a fanfic where Han and Mara got drunk together, so. Yeah, no, I read that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, um, 
Oh, no, I did write a fanfic when Luke and Mara got drunk together, too. Brian wrote that one, too. Did I? Yes. I mean, you didn't. It was the same fic. Oh, right. That one. <laughs> and I read that one, too. Yeah. So, um... So Luke, yeah, he's like, all right, uh, I need to get away from these TIE fighters. Um, and the, he, uh, he gets away and um, goes to hyperspace. And uh, R2's like, what are we doing? And he says, oh, um, we're not going back to Coruscant. We're going to a little place called Jomark to see a Jedi Master. And he's reminded of another time when he told R2 that they weren't going back to the rendezvous. They were going to meet a Jedi Master. Because again, what do we do in these books? Get it, Tim. You've seen the movies. (laughs) Tim just wants to make sure that we have seen the movies. (laughs) But to be fair, like... I mean, I guess, yeah, we had home video back then, so people probably watched these over and over and over, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's the first three books. It's the first two books. I can understand. And the the references are getting a little less now, so. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. No, I mean, I make fun, but yeah. It, yeah it's, it's but I just, I just thought that was cute that he's like, we're going to see a Jedi Master. And I was like, yeah, but this visit's not going to go as good as the one with Yoda. Whoa, spoilers. Well, I mean, have you met Savion? <laughs> I mean, yes, Yoda was crazy, but he was cute crazy. Not, I want to take over the galaxy with my ripped abs crazy. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Not abs crazy. less homicidal yeah seriously so yeah those are our four chapters um got some battles a lot of setup um so we basically know uh cards on the run leia's going to hanager luke's going to joe mark han's going we don't know where (laughs) With strangers. With stranger Ron danger. Ron is also going to Honiger. Yes. How convenient. In, in another amazing coincidence. <laughs> right? It's like, this is the second time that Thrawn has wound up on the same planet as our heroes. And I wonder what will happen next. This one is vaguely, like, more believable than some of the ones in the last book. But yeah. It's still like, oh, plot's happening. Yes. <laughs> That's a good subtitle for this book. Plot tapping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, um those are our four chapters and uh rounding up any final thoughts, uh Amanda. Um I really like all the breadcrumbs we get in these chapters. We learn about Delta Source. We mm-hmm. are finding out there's some mysterious commander. Um we we learned about call beeps. Um, but I, I like <laughs> I like that we're getting a lot of setup right now and I can feel it wanting to pay off later. Yeah. Uh Matthew. Um yeah, no, it's good stuff. Um the you know, I the new cove stuff and the commander stuff I, I don't desperately love. I mean, I like the scene in the bar, but like the whole business with like the commander and everything, and we can get to that when we get to it, but like that's not one of my favorite subplots in the series. So you're um, not going to read my fanfic. <laughs> if you really want me to, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. I like Han's little game with the ships and, and, uh, and I like the, the business with Leia and Endor and, uh, and the emperor's uh, force presence and uh, Mars always delightful. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. 
Brian, any last thoughts from you? I am always here for Thrawn breaking down ship and ship schematics and purposes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. You are you are a single-minded individual, and we love you for it. I'm a one-issue reader. <laughs> <laughs> And that issue is, how does this relate to the X-Wing game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. I mean, I feel you, except for me, it's Rogue Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the Tathar cast is a Tashi Station podcast. This episode has been brought to you in part by Her Universe and by you, our Patreon subscribers. You can find us all on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station, Nancy Pants, that's Nancy with an I, Lane Winree, that's L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E, M.R. Bowers, Manda the Ginger, and Cyberpunk Warlock, that's Warlock with a K. You can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in next week when Thrawn and Leia both wind up on Honiger like a Benny Hill show, and Han Solo meets the mysterious commander. Bye!